This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to this week's episode of the Formation Lab. That's right, we are back with CoronaCast episode number three, or was it PandemicCast? I'm joined by a very special guest. First off, before we get sidetracked, Mike Johnson is in, not the house, but he's in his house, quarantined away. Mike, how are you doing? I am bored out of my mind. (laughs) (laughs) You and everyone else. I, I texted you briefly about this, but man, it is insane how... I mean, like, I work in sports, so I know, like, what a role it plays in my life. But, like, just the little background boredom of, like, oh, there's some minor drama in the NFL today. Let's take a note of that. There's none of that even. So it's just, like, I have no idea what I did with my time. (laughs) I think for the first time in my life, I got excited when I saw a new jersey for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm like, (laughs) that's the only sports news out there is a jersey. And I looked at it, and I'm like, that's the same color as the last jersey. It looks just like the old one. I mean, they could have gone back to the creamsicle color, done something interesting, but. I, 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 I love like needless drama, like crap shows. So I always say that I'm a fan of a good old fashioned crap show, right? right. Uh, trying to keep FCC friendly here, even though we're online. But, uh, but uh, the, the Rams logo was the most intriguing sports story I think we've had in a while too. It looks like a freaking detergent. And I'm like, this is how desperate as I am as I'm going to the Rams to look at their logo to make fun of them. <laughs> well, it's so funny because like they, they go from, you know, from horrible to the Super Bowl to horrible in like the quickest amount of time ever. I don't know if you've ever, to segue to a racing story, have you ever heard, have you ever read uh, Crash and Burn, the Tommy Burn story? I haven't. Oh, it's a fantastic book. Fantastic book. And move, I think they might have made a movie on it. It's called Crash and Burn, the story of Tommy Burn. And he was a Formula Ford driver, made it all, was beating Senna in Formula Ford, made it to Formula One told everybody to screw off because he was better than everybody and went right back to Formula Ford. And he always tells the story. He had the, he was the quickest ever Formula Ford to Formula One back to Formula Ford in history. <laughs> That's just like the Rams from last to first back to last. <laughs> you know, and speaking the Rams, actually, they were in the headlines. I think it was two days ago because the NFL is having to do their draft. They're all going to be, you know, separate locations and I think Sean McVay said that he's inviting like 30 Rams staffers to his home so they can have a war room in his living room it's like that defeats the purpose <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, speaking uh, well we, we promise we're a motorsports podcast we are not a uh, we are not a football podcast even though it's the only thing that's giving us stories right now but uh, speaking of quarantines the uh, the news that broke yesterday mm-hmm. Of course, the Canadian Grand Prix is postponed. We've been a stickler about this, Mike. Postponed. It's not canceled. It'll be back later, uh, at a later date in the F1 calendar, sometime later this year, which makes you wonder because there's a lot of races, you know, in the Europe, in Europe uh, that really don't do all that well, <laughs> wouldn't hypothetically do well with a September, November date. And I have to imagine Montreal is up there on, I don't really want to be racing in Montreal in the late fall. I just can't imagine that's going to end well for anybody. Well, you know, the tough thing with a lot of those circuits, those temporary circuits, is they can't build them overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the Detroit Grand Prix just got um, canceled, not, not, not postponed, canceled as well, because it takes them six to eight weeks to build the whole circuit. And so if they can't really get started on the building and the construction and all the work that needs to be done on those temporary circuits, it's very difficult 
to get it done, you know, in that amount of time. So they kind of have to postpone it, but I imagine that's going to be canceled because, you know, if, if I was formula one at this point, you know, I'd be like, you know what, let's just put together a real nice series where it's all in Europe or, you know, Asia and keep it where our truck can just kind of go back and forth. And, you know, it's a lot of work to load all that stuff up and come over to Canada, especially if they, you know, maybe they sync it up with Austin or something like that. I mean, and, you know, cause it used to be what Austin to Mexico and it made it, at least you were over here once, but I don't know. I mean, that's their own problem. That's not my problem. <laughs> well put. Yeah. Part of the thing too, is not only does it take forever to set it up, but in a place like, uh, let's say St. Pete, where IndyCar you know, opens their season traditionally, you're not just having to set it up for a few weeks. You're also telling your populace, you know, your, your local uh, citizens, hey, it's going to be shut down for this you know, week or two, the downtown area is, or this area is. Well, it's a lot harder to tell people, again, well, we already closed it you know, once, but we're actually moving the date. So now it's going to be shut at this date. You know, you're going to anger a lot more of your constituents when you just kind of play ping pong with whenever you're shutting down that the roads that they use to work, which I realize Canada isn't exactly that. But when you talk about those temporary street circuits, you're going to run into that quite a bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, Canada is a little bit easier because it's its own track. They just, you know, most of the work is building the grandstands and the pit structures and everything else. You know, it's not as intense as like a Long Beach is or a St. Pete. You know, St. Pete's kind of half on streets, half on an airport. Uh, Detroit's got its own track, but they still have to build up all the grandstands and everything else that goes with it. But, you know, it's a challenge. And we had a uh, conference call with IMSA like two weeks ago. And, um, you know, and and it's kind of like they keep announcing this stuff. And I think it's because everyone's in their office and they're bored and they have to do something. And so they say, okay, well, let's, let's put a new calendar together. Let's put a new calendar together. And I'm kind of like, you know, what's the point? Why don't we just wait till we get to the backside of the curve and then deal with it? Because it's going to be a mess. And then, you know, everyone's going to be, I mean, if, if every sport in the United States is playing from, let's just throw out July to November, for example, how many, there's not enough TV time. I mean, you're going to be watching ESPN's going to have to bring back the Ocho for some of these sports. They're going to, they're going to go into full college football mode where there's like 30 channels for, you know, the different games, but it's going to be like, Oh, what's Ims on? It's on ESPN. Exactly. It's on ESPN eight, the Ocho at right. 11 PM on, you know, central time or something. Uh, and and I, I agree with that. Like it, it seems premature to me while we're still ramping up in a lot of areas. Uh, it seems premature to me to make decisions on, all right, this is our schedule. IndyCar or one of our next things is IndyCar made uh revamped its entire schedule. Uh, recently and i like this schedule i just don't think it's going to happen like there's no way it happens as published we still don't know when we're going to end when this thing is going to be over or we're on the tail end so let's talk about the indycar revamp schedule and uh imsa is actually involved in this one uh the indy 500 is previously discussed uh sunday august 23rd the two two of the there's three interesting parts here one of them is that uh, Iowa is going to be a two-race doubleheader on a Friday and Saturday night, and I think that that is the right idea when it comes to when we're on the back end. I think that series should probably be looking at you know 
hey, can we run two races, even if they're shorter races, back-to-back in order to just get the number of races required for a decent championship? Uh, Laguna Seca will be doing the exact same thing on a Saturday and Sunday uh, double header. Do you like the idea of, like, hey, since we're having to do a compressed schedule, let's just run two races back-to-back at, you know, the same location and at least get some races in? You know, I think for in, every series has to kind of make up their own mind. I mean, you know, IndyCar's got, what, 16 to 18 races in a championship. Mm-hmm. You know, I come from sports cars where 10 is a lot because all of our races are a lot longer. So I'm, I come from an endurance racing background, and I like the longer style race. So to me, if I had to, for the IMSA schedule, for example, they added, you know, we have a 12-race championship in WeatherTech, and they're trying to get – all 12 in, but then we lost Long Beach and then we lost Detroit. So now we're down to 10. And I even think, you know, it's like, I don't want to rush to mid Ohio for a two hour race to rush to Laguna for another two and a half hour race to rush to road America. I mean, we're endurance racers. I'd rather make six or seven races, make them all six hour minimum, make them much bigger events and go on. Now, obviously with IndyCar, you can't really do a endurance, uh, format like that because with one driver it would just be too difficult but I think that they could do you know they could do a points thing where maybe they do points on qualifying or something like that to make it you know a little bit more interesting um but you know they they know their market and they know their fan and they've got their tv contracts and I think it's it's always so much more complicated than it is for you and I, I mean, they've got, you know, vendors and people and all the other stuff and everyone's trying to figure out how they're going to make any of the money back, you know, that they lost, you know, and teams and sponsors, you know, if you've got a IndyCar program and you have a $10 million sponsor, you know, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it. Well, my sponsor paid me $10 million. So they want $10 million worth of racing. So now I have to give them $10 million of racing because if I give them $8 million worth of racing, they're going to want their $2 million back. Or the flip side is, well, that business that gave me $10 million has been closed for three months, and now they only want to give me $8 million, so now they can't afford the whole thing. So it's going to be really interesting when all of this ends to see where people end up and, and who can still go and who still can't. And, you know, for race teams like mine, or really, you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, all of us right now, you know, we're, we're used to running – all around the clock. You know, we should have already had Sebring in the middle of March. And right now we'd be preparing for um, mid-Ohio. But, you know, our truck was loaded. I mean, literally loaded, ready to go to Sebring. And so now what do you do? If, it, if you're ready to go to Sebring, you unload it. And, you know, you can only clean the car so many times for the next three months before you go to the next race. So, you know, there's a lot of other things we can find to do and, and make our trailer and everything a lot more efficient and fix some things and, and, you know, clean a lot of stuff up, but you know, it's just very difficult on all these teams and it, I mean, it's difficult on everybody. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to complain about it, but it is, you know, it's just a, it's a challenge. And I think everyone's doing their best to, to be prepared for whatever it is that comes next. And it's interesting that you, that, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, it's a challenge, but it's one that I don't think anybody could have ever foresaw. I mean, in the hundred years of racing, there has, I mean, with the exceptions of like World War II, right? Across any series, since its beginning, it's always had racing, right? Like, how do you, you don't, you can't anticipate just like, 
oh yeah, you know, we might have a year in which we might not just have any races. It's like, that's, that would be outlandish to suggest four months ago, three months ago, you know? So it's, it's put a lot of teams in an interesting place. And I'm sure you can attest to this is that like, that was just such a thing that like, isn't even imaginable at this point. Like there's just always going to be racing. Yeah. Race might be canceled here or there, but the financial and like the strategy and the way you build your cars, all that has a strain that like you couldn't have anticipated in any way, shape or form. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and, 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 and again, all of these sanctioning bodies are announcing new schedules and you, you sit around and you're like, okay, that's great. But no one's booking flights for those schedules or getting their hotel rooms or doing anything else because there's no guarantee that even those are going to happen. And, you know, I think it's, again, it, it's kind of one of those things. It's, I personally, I think it's a little premature to start announcing new schedules, but then again, I'm not getting paid to sit in an office and make up schedules. So if I was being paid to make sit in an office or my house making a schedule, I'd probably have, you know, if we start on April 1st, this is what we do. If we start on May 1st, this is what we do. If we start on June 1st, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. It's just, it's, it is what it is. And, and what, I've, what I have really found so far in, in not only with my racing team, but with the Victory Raceway, the car track, is that people are doing a really good job of working well together. You know, they are, we, I, I, everyone I've talked to understands that we're all in it together and no one's really holding each other over the coals, over a contract or this or that, because they know we're in unforeseen territory. I mean, this, I, you know, I, I, the more, the longer this goes on, obviously the worse it gets. And, and you start to realize we're probably not going to get out of this unless there is some type of a vaccine or a cure. The only thing that can happen is, as a society, we're either going to decide, yes, we want to go back to work and we're just going to do it and people are going to die, or no, we don't want to go back to work and the economy will fall apart and nobody will be able to eat or have electricity and, you know, we'll be driving Mad Max cars around. So, you know, I think that eventually everyone's going to say, you know, it was kind of like the NBA was the first sanctioning body to say we're done. And then everybody else had to follow. So now, you know, you listen, we talked about football earlier, but, you know, baseball and NHL and NBA are like, okay, we got to get started again. And one of these companies is going to do it. One of these companies say, okay, we're going to do this. And then, the, and then the racing people are like, all right, well, you know, let's just race without fans. Let's only say we're only going to let 10,000 people in here. And, and, you know, maybe when parks start opening up, if a park can open up, then Road America can open up, you know? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, th- I do think racing, especially um, especially IndyCar, IMSA, uh, the series, you know, smaller than that, are, are they're they're going to be the followers. I don't expect them to be the trendsetters. The fo- they're going to have to follow what the NBA, what the NHL, and what the MLB does. And I think that with as re- with as TV dependent as a lot of these series are, you're going to. I, I don't think. I think that uh, races without fans would be the first proper solution, and then they'd figure out a way to let fans in. But those TV contracts have to—they uh, have to be fulfilled in some way, you know. Uh, let's get back to the uh, to the IndyCar because there was one more thing that IndyCar did with their new schedule that I wanted to address. Uh, they're adding a third race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, the Harvest Grand Prix, at uh, on October third. Uh, the Harvest GP will run on a Saturday, October 3rd, 
And then, of course, they're having that inaugural eight hours of Indianapolis endurance race. That'll run Sunday. And then reportedly, I saw this, I think it was on racer.com, so tip of the hat to them. Uh, IMSA has been invited to run uh, a race on that Saturday. I think it's going to be after the IndyCar race or maybe before it. The IndyCar race is scheduled at 3 o'clock. They, they said IMSA will have to talk it over. But uh, as a fan, and I know you and I have probably have different opinions because I'm a fan, you know, you're a racer. But as a fan, I looked at that and I said, all right, well, an IndyCar race on Saturday and then an eight-hour on Sunday with the possibility of IMSA being run on that Saturday, dang it, I'm going to I'm be there because that's, <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great weekend of racing. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I did read that, that, you know, we might be invited to that. Um, the, the problem is for IMSA is that, like I said, right now we're down for the WeatherTech championship. We're down to a 10 race schedule and the Daytona prototypes don't do uh, VIR and they don't do Lime Rock because they're too fast. So that makes them an eight race schedule because they should have been at Long Beach and Detroit. So I think if they did anything, they'd probably bring them and maybe GTLM to, the, to that. You know, so I don't know if us and GTD would make that or not. I mean, they'll probably bring us in. What, but I think their bigger problem is the fact they don't have enough races for the Daytona prototypes. So, yes, it's a great idea. Uh, I would love to go to Indy again. You know, we were, you know, Grand Am. We raced at Indy. And, in fact, I've got on my screensaver on my computer is – Myself and my wife and kids kissing the bricks after we won the uh, inaugural sports car race there. Um, so, I, you know, I have a great little memory there. I, I actually, the only time I, I drove one of our um, Stevenson cars was at Indianapolis. Mr. Stevenson let me drive around just to do a couple laps just because I, I, I was never going to have the option to drive at the Speedway. The only downside is that it's, you know, anytime you do those rovals, it's such a horrible road course and you know you could put a hundred thousand people there and it looks empty you know so that's the only downside about Indy but then again it's Indy so if they bring it you know people will do it yeah it you you hit the nail on the head there <laughs> you, you're gonna I mean I know I'm going to a lot of my friends uh who usually attend races with me are like yeah, let's go there. Yeah, let's do that on top of the 500. I still have tickets for that and we'll use them, dang it. But uh, yeah, you put a hundred, you put a hundred thousand people in Indy and when, you know, the crowds are 350,000 on, on the 500, just doesn't look that impressive. But um, I think Indy with Roger Penske opening it, uh, Penske seems to be very insistent that, uh, that Indy grabs some more dates and, you know, make, yeah, have some more races, and I don't think, obviously, as it stands right now, there's nothing uh, solid. But I think uh, I, th I think he'd be open to a track redesign at some point, because um, he seems to be throwing money. He's putting lights in. Apparently, he's got you know 5G coverage all over the place, and that uh, going up pretty soon here. So I wouldn't be out. I don't think it's out of the question for Indy to redesign their course. But yeah, I mean, right now the Indy Road Course. Um, there's a reason that I don't want Formula One to go back there. There's a reason, you know, not many people run the road courses because it's just, it's there. Uh, yeah. It's not really, it's not really the best option. But if you have the chance to run an Indy, though, it's a special location, so you kind of do it anyway. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll move on. Uh, F1 had a had a, a number of small rule changes in the wake of the 2021 regulations being postponed. And um, we'll just get through these quick. Cause I don't think any one of these are like 
collectively a huge or like any one of these are specifically a huge thing but collectively they're worth mentioning uh first off the survival cell of the 2020 car will remain unchanged for 2021 so this year's car uh the protective part will look like will be the same as next year's uh car that's just to save costs uh mercedes dual axis steering which I mean, as a race fan, I wanted to see in a race. I just wanted to see that one time because it was so wild and out there. It'll be banned next year. That is that that might be one of the what is if F one doesn't get back. To well, is that is that because they're staying? The original deal was they were supposed to have all new cars for twenty one. Mm-hmm. So if they stay with the current car, are they going to still ban it? I think yeah. They they specifically wrote a charter to ban it for next year, even though okay. they're staying with the same car, which is like. I want to see that. Like, if, if that is such an interesting concept, like, I just, I got to have a race with the DAS. I want right. to see it in action. Uh, the governing body can now change the rules with the approval of 60% of teams instead of unanimous vote. Um, to me, and I realize I'm much more of an American and not used to the way Europeans run racing, seems ridiculous to me that you'd have to have a unanimous vote for all sorts of things. But that is, of course, to expedite, you know, hey, let's, fix the rules and get racing as soon as possible. Uh, the FIA and F1 can change the calendar without approval from the teams. Uh, again, that's just to get back to racing. Uh, teams can hold a one-day practice session for the purpose of looking at new drivers after the final race of the season. Um, you saw that already, but they're really you know trying to make space because that's one of the things that people don't realize is without an F1 series, there are a lot of guys in you know Formula 2, Formula 3 that are not getting looked at uh, because they can't be the backup driver. They can't impress this season. And it would really blow to be, you know, 18, 17, 18, 19 year old and just lose your opportunity because of this at formula one. Uh, engine development, which is usually allowed during the summer break has been shut down uh, during the summer break. And during this break that keeps costs down. And I think uh, the summer break has been canceled. Hasn't it? I think I I think it got moved up. It got moved up to. They're on the summer break now. Yeah, they're on the summer break now. Which uh, we're in St. Louis. It isn't oh, quite man. summer yet, but uh, it it's getting there. <laughs> yeah, ninety degrees today. Oh, I went disc golfing yesterday, and I sweat, and I was like, it kind of feels nice to sweat after right. as long as our winter's been, but. Uh, and then finally, FIA President John Tote has been granted the authority to quote take any decision in connection with the organization of the internal competitions for the 2020 series, which may be required as a matter, as a matter of urgency. Basically he has executive, he has like the executive say, so just be like, Nope, we're doing this uh, in the wake of coronavirus. Most, if not all of these rules only apply to this season and possibly next season, they'll be done after that. So um, Mike, does anything stand out to you there as like a real head scratcher or a dangerous role? Cause to me, that just seems like common sense. Like we just need to cut the bureaucracy down and as soon as we can't get back to racing, be able to do so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think formula one is its own animal. It's so much money. And you know, if you say or do the wrong thing, then all the teams sue you. And then they just spend another $5 million in lawsuits for just dumb things. I mean, it's just, it's so ridiculous and it's so exclusive. And I mean, can you imagine, you know, Williams and spending whatever they spend a hundred million dollars and just being horrible? I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. You know, I'm, 
I actually am a, probably a bigger fan of the old days, or it sounds like I'm old, but you know, where, you know, they were many where you could get cars from other manufacturers or run a year old car or do something. I mean, I understand the purity of it. I, there's just two sides, you know, but like everything else, people get sick of a certain manufacturer winning all the races. They're going to get sick of Ferrari winning or Williams winning or Mercedes winning or McLaren winning, you know, whoever it's going to be. And, you know, I just think, I think more cars and more people and more stuff makes it more interesting. And, um, you know, in a, in a kind of a good way, I think this will be good that they have to stick with the same car for two years. And maybe that's a new thing to do where they say, hey, we stick with the car for two years or three years or something like that because there's so much time and money and development on that, on the car. And like, you know, for, I read an article today about Ferrari saying, well, you know, we can't all be on the same budgets because we, you know, manufacture every single bolt that we make. And it's, you know, we don't buy our bolts from the bolt store. We build our bolts, but then we sell our bolts to the teams that use our stuff. You know, so, you know, they can, they can buy our $10 bolt, but it cost us $100 to build it, you know, or to design it to build the $10 bolt. So it's, it's just, a, it's a complicated forum and, and it, it, it is what it is. So, you know, whatever they want to do is fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I, I have a, I have a couple of funny, uh, funny, I have one funny story here. Uh, everybody's favorite man named after a piece of safety equipment, Helmut Marco, landed himself in uh, some hot water. He suggested uh, infecting Red Bull drivers apparently a while ago with, with coronavirus. His quote was, they're all strong young men in good health. That way they'd be prepared whenever the action starts. Uh, apparently, uh, old Helmut Marco got shot down pretty quickly, but uh, that's not how it works. <laughs> also, even if that was how it works, I still don't think that's a great idea. Well, didn't you ever see that South Park episode when they when one kid got chicken pox and then they made all the other kids get chicken pox? Oh, it's the same thing, right? <laughs> same thing. You know, to be honest, though, it's like, uh, I mean, how many conversations have you had with your friends over the last month? And if you look back at what you said a month ago to what you'd say today to what you'd say in a month, you know, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody has a clue. I mean, you know, whether you're a fan or not a fan of the president or you're watching whatever news station you're on, I mean, every day that's like, they're just finding something new about it and you have no idea. And it's not the craziest idea to sit there and go, man, if, if they're telling us that once you get it, because they don't even know yet. Right. But mm -hmm. there are, if they, they do say, well, once you get it, you might be immune to it. So it's not, maybe it isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, it's, it kind of goes back to that argument of what would happen if we all went back to work tomorrow? You know, we all went back to work and the virus just stormed through everybody Sure, it might knock off a million people, but we might be through it. Or we can just deal with it and it only kills 100,000 people, but nobody goes to work for two years, you know? Yeah, it's, it, you have to find that balance uh, and save as many lives as you can, but also be realistic and like, you know, if there might be a lot of non-coronavirus related deaths if people can't go back to work for, you know, three, four, five more months, right? People yeah. that are just you know, can't live at the place they're living in anymore. People that, you know, might not be able to feed themselves or their family, et cetera, you know? So it's all about fighting that. I think Britain, uh, the doctors in Britain uh, suggested not quarantining at one point uh, to just kind of get through it at one point. And then uh, 
Boris Johnson, who I believe is still in ICU, kind of flip-flopped on it and said, nope, we are quarantining. So there is, a, I, from my knowledge, and granted, neither you or I are doctors, Mike, nope. we'll, we'll preface that. Uh, from my understanding, there is the thought that, like, you could hypothetically storm through it, but that might not be the best plan of attack. Um, no matter what the decision is, it'll be discussed and argued and fought about for years. Oh, it so, absolutely will be. It, in, in a year from now, there are, there's going to be tons of arguments saying, well, we should have done this differently or we should have done that differently. And, and now, you know, the next thing that's going to happen is we're going to get through this and there's going to be a stockpile of 8 million ventilators in some room. And then when we finally need it, we're going to find that all the bearings on the ventilators, you know, are all seized up and they don't work. And then it's going to be a bearing shortage. I mean, it's, you know, uh, the thing is, it's not, it's not like this is going to be the last one of these things, you know? No. No, I think I think it's an inter- It's like kind of a wake up call to like, no, nope, this could happen again. Uh, coronavirus is, it, if it's not coronavirus, you know, three years from now, it could be another swine flu or something. So it'll be interesting to see kind of if we have to in a decade from now, if this is just like uh, every few years we have to go through this, or what the what the deal is. Uh, well, I like the idea of just saying, you know, what every once a year. You know, because you look at like the environment and the smog and the traffic mm-hmm. and, you know, like the river in Venice and all the other stuff that's kind of like these new things that like people haven't seen the bottom of the, of the water in Venice in 100 years or whatever. And, um, and you sit there and you're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going outside. I went running today. I'm spending more time with my family. Like maybe just once a year, they just do a one week. Everybody has to stay home, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let let the world and the environment take a breath and be like, okay, let me catch my breath on everything. And let, cause you know, like lakes turn over, forests turn over, you know, there's fires that clean it all out and you know, evolution does what it does. And you know, maybe this is just part of it. I have, uh, I have, uh, I have friends in, uh, in Los Angeles and they're like, when, they're like, I went jogging today and it is the night, like it is just, I don't know what it is, but I haven't had air that fresh since I was in the Midwest. It's just absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, you're not, you know, that's not having 3 million cars on the road. Any yeah. time. Uh, so moving on with the news, uh, Aston Martin has officially confirmed they'll be back in 2021, uh, finishing the least, uh, the worst kept secret in formula one history. Uh, Aston Martin will be back in 2021. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, we don't. Ha- I don't have any insight on this. Interesting to see how missing this season possibly changes how they come back to next season. But that's something to you know. We'll we'll have to keep an eye on moving forward. Here's a well, fun. What does that really mean? Because it's not Aston Martin. It's Stroll, and Aston Martin's been on the side of the Red Bull cars with a Renault engine mm-hmm. for years. I mean, aren't the, aren't the Renault, isn't like that? I mean, it's all, weren't they owned by Nissan or something like that? Yeah, so, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's not really, I don't think you can say they're back if they're not building their own engine. That's fair. It's still going to be a Renault <laughs> engine with an Aston Martin sticker on it. And the guy that owns the Formula One team owns Aston Martin now. Is that all correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so Aston Martin is breaking up with Red Bull. So it'll just be Red Bull racing to to my knowledge thus far. And then it will, Aston Martin will basically, they'll just be taking over racing point uh, and slapping their colors and name on it. 
Uh, I don't think that they're going to be their own manufacturer or anything. So it could just be a, a Mercedes actually with a nice shade of green and, you know, some James Bond looking stuff on there. That's, right. that's all it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and why are they waiting a year? I mean, he already bought it. Why didn't he just do it now? Uh, I think the plan was was when he bought it, it was close to the start of this season. So it was a couple uh, – I want to say it was about a month before the start of this season. Um, so it just – it wasn't feasible to them with getting Aston Martin's staff in and, you know, an increase in budget. So they're just like, we'll do it starting next year. And that also handily uh, coincides with that brand-new rule change that was supposed to happen in 2021. So they're like – new set of rules, new team, new identity, new staff will yeah. will kind of you know have a, a good natural reset point. Uh obviously the rules are postponed, but Aston Martin's still going to stick with 2021. Uh or Aston wh- what is it? So we always call Racing Point obviously their force India because nobody wants to call it Racing Point. That's a silly name. Um if I ever had enough money to buy my own Formula 1 team, I would not have called it Racing Point. That's for sure. No. I mean no. that is that makes no sense. I would have had a much cooler name. I don't know what that name would be, but it would be a lot cooler than Racing Point. One of my favorite videos of the internet was somebody took uh, a highlight of, of Martin Brundle calling them Force India and then getting corrected to Racing Point over like the past year or two years no. or whatever it's been. He's like, Force India, Racing Point is now <laughs> And it's like five minutes long. <laughs> yeah. So we always like we, call it like Chuck Norris Racing or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd have to be something cool. Mega testosterone racing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, I, I would, uh, I would, but uh, we've always called it Force Racing Point or Racing India Point or something like that. Uh, so now they will be Racing India Mercedes Martin Point. <laughs> we're just gonna, we're just gonna have to have a big old mush together of their. Well, before it was Force India, it had to be Jordan or or Stewart or something else too, or Jaguar. Uh, I think it was. I think it was. Jaguar. I'll, let me look that up. Uh, that was kind of that was one of those uh, one of those periods in which I wasn't as watching. It was a Spiker F1 team, actually. Yeah, well, that was only a year, I think. Yep. So let's see. Previous name Spiker F1 team. Before that, it was Midland, and uh, we're gonna keep going back. And then it was Jordan. Yep. Jordan. <laughs> so, and that was when it was cool, man. When those <laughs> those bitten and hisses, or whatever they had. Eddie Jordan. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Jordan was the guy I wanted to be when I was, you know, a teenager. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the coolest Formula One owner. Uh, for sure. And, like, you look at the names that raced for him, too, man. I mean, you had uh, Jean Alesi, uh, both the Schumachers, Michael and Ralph. Um, you had uh, Rubens Barry Kello, Damon Hill, Eddie Irvine. Like, Jordan is just one of those teams that, like, when you like look at F1 history, you're like that was a cool team, man. Like yeah. from the owners to the drivers to the, the quality of the car, man, that's just they, cool. And they won one race, I think, with Fischichella on a technicality. It was like a post race deal, I believe. Uh, let me see. Uh, I might have been. I'm not familiar with that. Story. I think they were racing at Brazil, and the end. I think Kimi Raikkonen won the race, and Fischichella finished second. They did the podium, and then like two weeks later or something, they gave the win to Fischichella because Kimi like did something illegal. I don't, I don't remember all the and, – and I could be totally wrong, but I think that's the way I remember it. Uh, let's see. 
I'm looking. I'll, we'll have to we'll have to come back to that because like I'm I'm on the Wikipedia article, but I'm like, don't right. have time to read all that live here. But yeah, I I I would I would buy that. Man, I I'm looking at these cars. I miss that yellow and blue. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, another interesting story. This time from the world of NASCAR. Uh, Bubba Wallace lost a real world sponsorship on iRacing this weekend. Uh, Wallace got into a wreck on lap 11 of 150 uh, with Clint Boyer. Uh, He promptly said on his Twitch stream, uh, y'all have a good one. That's it. That's why I don't take this expletive serious. Peace out. And then disconnected from the race and stopped his stream. Uh, Afterwards on Twitter, he uh, posted, quote, Bahaha, I'm dying at my mentions right now. I ruined so many people's day by quitting a video game. A video game. Damn, quarantine life is tough. Uh, Blue Emu, who's a real-world sponsor of Wallace, their official partner of NASCAR, uh, replied, good to know where you stand. Bye-bye, Bubba. We're interested in drivers, not quitters, on Twitter, and fired his ass. <laughs> and I'm like, this is... First off, uh, I am of the opinion you don't fire people on Twitter regardless of how public they are. But this is just... I understand you don't want Bubba Wallace rage quitting, but like, eh, come on. <laughs> there is a story behind there somewhere. And I imagine that Blue Emu, whatever they do, were like, you know what? We need to get out of this deal because we, this is not what we need to do or what we want to do or this coronavirus is killing us. And they were just looking for any excuse possible. And I'm sure they did it because otherwise, why would you? Who cares? No one's watching the dumb stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. And those that are watching realize it's an iRacing race. It's not does not have the stakes. It's it's to hold us over until the real things here, right? Yeah. And it's well, like if you if you're a, and if you're a sponsor on a race car, you have visibility in two ways: from the TV, and then also from the fans and the people that are there. Now. I've watched a few of the iRacing. I've only watched like five minutes of it because it's, I can't stand it. But every time I watch it, like I watched the IndyCar from, where did they do their last one? From Barber, I think. I think it's Barber, yeah. And I couldn't see a single sponsor's name on anything. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is since, I mean, I, I worked in TV for three years, three or four years. And the other thing that's different about the iRacing is that when you watch a car race on TV, you have an entire staff of people that are directing the show that you are watching. They are telling you what to talk about, who to follow. They have replays. They can do all of this stuff. They can get interviews. It's a big production, right? That's mm-hmm. why you have a production crew. With the iRacing, you know, they're like, I was watching it and there was a wreck. Somebody went off and they don't, you know, you don't have a production crew. So they can't go and show a replay or pull this. You know, they're just three guys sitting in a room like you and I are commentating over what they see. So if you're Bubba Wallace and you crash on the 11th lap, there is 0% chance that your car or your sponsor or your anything else is going to be seen by the 10 people that are watching that iRace anyway. Mm-hmm. So as I say, it's kind of ridiculous to me. There was probably a story ahead of time that caused it. And I would imagine that's why they did it, but who knows? I don't know. 
Yeah, I would I would have to suspect there's something like that too. I also want to say I I've dabbled in iRacing uh actually this month I borrowed a friend's rig right before the quarantine hit and uh I just like I was curious, you know, I was like, "Hey, you know, I'll give it a try." Um I got to imagine as a, in iRacing, especially for these guys, you know, they're professional drivers, it is so much harder to see you know what's going around because i've noticed that wrecks are just they're everywhere in the eye in eye racing especially when you do the ovals um it's got to be so much harder you like you have a sixth sense of where a car is when you're actually driving right you know you know i don't know to the foot where this guy is but i know he's behind me and i know that you know he's probably looking this way so uh yeah i have my mirrors i know where these guys are i racing you just you don't have as good of a sense of where people are behind you um so it's really easy to just kind of accidentally take somebody out um yeah, well and the biggest problem with the, the the hardest thing to feel from people that have driven race cars to people that have done i racing is the brake feel is all of it right mm -hmm. getting a feel for the brake getting the feel for which tires are locking or not locking getting the, the, you know, the, the pressure that it takes to push a master cylinder in a non-power-assisted race car is enormous. You know, so if you're driving an a Indy car, for example, with no power-assisted steering, no power-assisted brakes, and you hit that brake pedal going into turn one or wherever, you know, it is an absolutely different feel than pushing on a little plastic lever or turning, even with force back and all the other stuff, it is such an enormously different feel that it's really difficult if you're not training on a simulator or using a proper race sim all the time to get a feel for brakes. Like, you know, you go in there and you just slam on the pedal and hope that the thing stops, but you really can't feel it. You can't, you can't sense, oh, my left rear tire is locking up as I'm turning in or I'm doing this or I'm going to slide or, you know, it's, you just, you've lost all of that sense. So, you know, I, I, I think, like for me, watching the iRacing stuff, we'll take Barber, for example. And Barber wasn't horrible because there was some lap changes and some strategy and whatever. But I can watch Barber and watch those guys race and have them go around and watch them follow the leader for an hour and a half or two hours, whatever it is, on any other Sunday, no big deal. What I'm kind of disappointed with is I think with iRacing, there are so many really cool things you can do. Mm. Like I don't want to watch IndyCar at Barber. I want to watch IndyCar at Le Mans with no chicanes. Mm -hmm. I want to watch them do Barber backwards. I want to have push to pass at 500 horsepower. You know, yeah. so you just, I mean, you just whoo, zip right by somebody. You know, I want... I think you have the ability, you know, you can invert fields. You have the ability to do things, you know, you could take like Watkins Glen, for example. You could say, all right, three times a race, you don't have to take the bus stop chicane. You know, you can just go straight at the end of the back straight. You know, you have the ability to do some really cool stuff to make it interesting. You know, like motocross has – you know, Joker turns or something like that, yeah. like all this fun stuff that just, and, and you have this beautiful opportunity to make something totally different, totally entertaining, where someone like me that's, that knows the sport goes, oh, you know what, what would an IndyCar do at Le Mans with no chicanes? Let's do that versus follow the leader at Barber for 45 minutes. I, I agree with that. We've talked about that. Tim and I have, it's like, 
look, if I want to watch IndyCar at Barber, I can watch that live every year. And I like, you know, IndyCar. I like Barber. But, man, you have the opportunity to say, you know, if Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel went up against Simon Pagano and Alex Rossi in a, like, 1950s Mercedes at, yeah. at, at the Monza combined oval and road course circuit, what would that look like? And I'm like, man, you find a, you find a cool combination of that and just tune it to the offseason. Even when there is real racing, I would still watch that. I would still I watch one of why are they not doing, I mean, I think it's great that Dale Jr. and Jimmy Johnson are now doing the IndyCar stuff, but why are they not doing an IROC deal? Like, I would love to see 500 Formula Fords run at the Indy, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. <laughs> you know, just get like, you know, invite everybody that is a professional race car driver in the world and say, you know what, we're doing a Formula V race at the, at the, on the Speedway. And, you know, first one that can do 500 miles in a Formula V wins. And if you crash, you know, you're like, you lose a lap every time, you know, you know, and, and you, but I mean, that would be, there's got to be something to make it entertaining. I mean, there's a great opportunity to do some IROC stuff and they're not doing it. Yeah, I would, I would love that. And I hope that's what we get out of here. It's just some kind of like annual event where just this hypothetical, what if, you know, what if old Hockenheim was kept the same? And it, it just, there are so many things that you can't do in motorsports anymore. And for good reason, uh, because they're too dangerous. But this removes all the danger from that. So like, just give it a go. Yeah, put a loop-to-loop in. They had that loop-to-loop at uh, the <laughs> the in the uh, few years ago for the, uh, whatchamacallit, the Hot Wheel truck. Yeah. <laughs> Put a loop to loop <laughs> they've, been, they've been saying for years that, you know, Formula One cars can go upside down. Make a racetrack where it goes upside down. <laughs> Give, it <a> go. <laughs> Give it a go. Oh, but that, that would be. Yeah, do a little corkscrew. Mm. Upside, yeah. upside down, straight away. You could be. Just make this Mario Kart. That's what you do. Just put half four cars on a Mario Kart. Well, track. And the thing is, is like if you watch that, I, I haven't seen the NASCAR one, but I've just I've watched the IndyCar, you know, parts of the IndyCar one. You know, the graphics are so darn good. It's mm-hmm. so amazing. I was watching the IndyCar and they had a rear camera view, and the end plates, when the sun was over here, the end plate on the rear wing, because the camera was shooting the rear wing. The end plate had, you know, there's those fins cut. Mm-hmm. And I noticed this, that the shadow of the fins was on the rear wing. <laughs> you know, so they had the sun location. And then as the car turned, the shadow went away. And as it came the other way, it was on the other side of the wing. And you're like, the detail, somebody had to think of that. Somebody was sitting, you know, when they were designing, and one of our, it's funny because one of our, my old engineers is one of the big engineers at, at iRacing. And, you know, to sit and think, you know what, where's the sun? And how is that going to put a shadow on this end plate and this mirror and this tire and this, all of that stuff? And you're like, it's so darn good, but just make it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I came from uh, a lot of like the old Forza games. So when I when I hopped in on iRacing uh, for the first time this month, I have a couple of friends who do it. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm really trying to etch down my, my lap times at Laguna Seca, right? And they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, just uh, what is it? They're like, 
you know, shift down, engine brake, just make sure that you don't hit second because second's really tight on the M the MX-5 for some reason. And then, you know, if you trail brake a little bit, the car is a lot more stable when you give it just a little bit of throttle in the middle of the turn. And I'm like, bro, I when I, when I was playing racing video games back in the day, it was go, stop, and turn. I'm like, right. holy crap, the detail, the detail on some of the thought. I'm like, I'm like man, I blows my mind and i started doing that i'm like oh man i could really feel the behavior of this and like the oh, yeah. like you said the, the the models i remember when i first turned on the the nascar one was the first one i saw that was broadcasted and it was like you know if i didn't know any better you could convince me for a couple minutes that this was like the real deal you know like this is just the broadcast but uh it, it's it'll be interesting but yeah i mean we've hit on it in weeks before and again just make give me something that we couldn't do in real life you know give me some kind of wild idea well uh, i'm really surprised that none of the sanctioning bodies or the you know nissan a long time ago what they had the gt academy is a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and you know they brought people up through the i racing or the forza for, you know format or whatever and they you know they got them into real race cars and i i just can't believe that you know a sanctioning body like indycar or nascar isn't doing major championships right now. I mean, why would you, with everyone sitting at home and everybody missing racing, for example, why is IndyCar not saying, you know, we're going to put up $100,000 and we're going to have, you know, 10 IndyCar stars and we're going to have a bracket format, you know, of 10, you know, regular people and these, you know, we're going to have, we're going to put 50,000 people into a bracket and you're going to do these races and you're going to work your way up. And then these 10 people get to go up against 10 IndyCar stars. And if you, you know, if you can win this race, you get a hundred grand or something. I mean, that would be something, there's got to be something to be entertaining than watching a bunch of guys you already watch dry, sit around in their living room, you know, you're like, eh. How about this? How about a a series, right? You take 10 uh, or you take like 100, 100 iRacers, right? And you just kind of knock them down to like 20, right? And you start at that 20 and you say, all right, here's the deal. We're going to do a race, you know, every week, blah, blah, blah. And in some way, we're going to whittle it down to just one person left. And that one person left gets a ride. In, you know, some team says, you get a ride in the Indy Pro 2000s, right? Oh. Like you get you get a road to Indy ride, and you get to be have an actual, you know, be an actual race car driver, you know, be a professional race car driver, and then you kind of cut it together, not cut it together, but just you can watch the drama unfold. You know, can you imagine if you're a guy like me, and you know somebody takes you out in turn one of a race, and that is on the line? It's like yeah, oh, the you could make a TV show out of that. It's the UFC ultimate fighter, but it's road to Indy. Right. That's, right. I would love exactly. that. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's just, so I, I just have no desire to watch, you know, a bunch of guys that do that all the time sitting in their living rooms playing video games, mm-hmm. but maybe that's cause I'm 46. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, okay, that's, again, if it's the way it is, you go, you put, you put 50 formula one stars past, present and future. 50 IndyCar stars, past, present, and future, 50 NASCAR stars, 50 sports car stars, you put them all in equal cars at Le Mans and have them race for three hours 
with some really cool features, I would watch that in a heartbeat. I'd be like, man, this is, this is interesting. Yeah, you know? it, it would finally settle that like, oh, you know, could you could finally settle the could Jeff Gordon have made it in, in a single seater? Which, right. I mean, in my opinion is absolutely. The dude was a brilliant oh, driver, but – but uh, it's like you could finally settle all those crazy things. Uh, so we have one last piece of news before we wrap up. Uh, FIA uh, President John Tote has said that Ferrari itself blocked the details of the engine investigation. Uh, it, you know, this is every once in a while um, you just you go and you look at the FIA and you're like, you've outdone yourself. Congratulations. I have a, I have a friend who I'm, uh, he's starting to watch racing. Uh, and he's like, he's like, he said that last week, he goes, you know, the FIA seems like it has unlimited resources and unlimited money, and they use it to make the dumbest decision at every turn. And I'm like, welcome to Formula One. That's exactly what it is. And I'm like, it's, it's, three, it's one quarter racing, three quarters circuit, so, or circus. So uh, FIA President John Twote, quote, if you ask me, I would love to be able to give all the details of the situation, but Ferrari opposed. So, I mean, <laughs> they've been sanctioned, but we cannot give detail of the sanction. And clearly, we could have said nothing, but we felt that it would have been wrong to not say that the Ferrari case had been discussed and that there had been a sanction. Honestly, it's very simple. I'm going to pause right there. No, it's not. <laughs> this is one of the – like – Again, I know it's the FIA, and I know I shouldn't have standards with them, but again, they just find a dumber thing where the team that's penalized is the one preventing the the governing body from saying anything. It's it's silly. <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, it's such a, like, I mean, it should be illegal. Yeah. If I want to go like for my team here to go race, I have to give the FIA like 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what they do. And it's like, you have to be, you, you have to have their approval to go racing. Like if you wanted to start a racing series, you know, you and your buddies said, let's go buy a whole bunch of Miatas and we're going to go racing at Gateway, for example, mm -hmm. you'd have to call the FIA to let them allow you to do it. <laughs> or or Acus or any of these other companies. And you're like, wait, what? Why do I owe you money? You, you just do. Well, why? Because. But what are you doing for me? Uh, you just give us money. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then to see to see to pay the FIA for that, but then to also see them on the same thing go. Well, Ferrari said we couldn't tell them how we punished at the same time. It's like. Yeah. Well, then where is my money going? <laughs> if I'm going to give you money, at least be an arbiter for the sport and not just, you know, be Ferrari's whipping boy or, you know, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, Volkswagen Automotive Group said that, uh, you know, we, we can't acknowledge whatever they're doing right now. It's like, no. <laughs> if I'm gonna well, pay it's you like the whole thing of the world championship thing. Like, they will allow you to have a world championship status or not. Like, well, I'm racing all over the world, so this is a world championship. No, it's not because <laughs> said it wasn't. But we race all over the world. No, too bad. Okay, we Pay race, and then we'll give you a world championship status. We just race in we race in eight countries, but I guess we just have a you're not champion of the world in that discipline. But we still go right. to eight countries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, 
Uh, let's see. His quote continues on. I've spoken individually with some of the seven teams. One of them, uh, seven teams, were, by the way, were the people who opposed it. Uh, notably, that's everybody except for the teams who are paying Ferrari for their for their gear. Uh, I've spoken individually with some of the seven teams. One of them decided it was completely out of it, uh, despite being one of the leaders. Since then, I never heard any uh, state of a change of heart. I read in the press it was a discussion between the two chairmen. I received a letter to my letter, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it didn't mean they were happy with the position of the FIA, and they would love Ferrari to allow the visibility of the case, which I would love to, but we can't. And uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to be surprised. Like, I, let's let's take just the money and this out of it. I can't think of a worse idea than a sports governing body being told what to do by its clubs. Like, okay, it's players and it's drivers. I understand, right? Like, yo. The, the MLB says, you're not going to play us, you know, MLB players, you can't play us 200 games a year, right? Um, but if the Yankees told the MLB, no, people can't know that, you know, we broke the rules, or the Astros told the MLB, no, people can't know that we, uh, that we were punished or know that we cheated, even though you can say a statement that we investigated you for cheating. Uh, like there's just there's no positive outcome of that except for Ferrari, except for the Astros. You know, it's like who had this idea? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand that the FAA is a sanctioning body for your championship, but and and that's probably totally different. But I mean, I've never dealt with the FIA in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I have never dealt with them one time in my life, and I have to give them a thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it's. I I don't – sometimes I just don't understand. And as an outsider, and again, a guy who did not grow up in racing, I only I only learned I loved racing when I went to a gateway truck race in, I think, 2008. But uh, yeah. we, we got the cheap seats. I, I sat right next to the track, and uh, little Luke loved the, loved the loud trucks. But uh, it was like somebody who didn't grow up in that, there's just like so many things that are just like, why? <laughs> Racing is one of those things you just can't you, you can't experience it on TV. You have to experience it live first, and then you can, then you can really appreciate it. Yeah, I remember going uh, before I went. Of course, I was I, I was let's see, that would have been thirteen at the time. So don't judge me, but uh, I was I was of course I was going like oh you know I'm probably going to see a bunch of rednecks over here at the track, and no you know there there were those people, but I, the from lap one I was just like. Oh shoot! They're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> they got that figured out, and little did I know. Like from there on, it was just like a, a lifetime passion of like, well, yeah, it's just it's fun, and it's like to this day, if somebody said, "Do you want to go to the NASCAR race?" I'd be like, "Yes, yes, I still want to go to like the Daytona 500. I still want to go." Blah blah blah. But like, do I watch every NASCAR race on TV? No. And if I'm no. being honest, I adore IndyCar. Right? Yeah. Some IndyCar races. I get about, you know, 25 laps in. I'm like, all right, I'll catch the last 25 laps because I need a nap or something. But when you go in person, that's when you're like, oh, my goodness, the, 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 the difference in being in person and versus on TV is incredible. And it's, I think it's one of the things that's hurting iRacing, probably in your eyes too, is that, like, it's not the same on TV. Racing's never the same on TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I – I, um... My father raced SCCA when I grew up, and that's how I kind of got into it. And so I'd go to the races and tracks and stuff, and was relatively familiar with it as a kid. And then 
my first experience in real racing was my father would take me to carb day every year. And, um, I remember driving to the speedway and you look and you go, uh, why, you know, there's, um, we're in the middle of a neighborhood. And then all of a sudden you pull up to the speedway and you see, I mean, the place, if you haven't been there for your guests who haven't been there, I mean, the place is enormous. It is so big. And then we drive through the tunnel because my dad raced Lola's at the time. We had Lola sports 2000s and obviously Lola were running in the IndyCar programs then. And so, you know, we had some passes and access and we could get right into the garages. And I remember, so we drive through the tunnel and uh, we go in and we park and we start walking to the straightaway and I see, you know, the, the cars are already going around. And when I, my eyes got on the first car going by, I mean, I was awestruck. I'm like, I can't believe that thing is going that fast. I mean, it was ridiculous how fast that thing was going. And you're like, I had no idea. And I mean, we've been racing. I mean, I've been going to SCCA races for years when we're doing 140 miles an hour. But I've never seen anything go 230 or whatever they were doing. I mean, and it was just like, this is cool. I always, I always, every, every time a new friend goes to the Indy 500, which the Indy 500, I, I have the Indy car like press access that I, you know, abuse every once in a while. But uh, the Indy 500 is one where I'm always like, nope, I'm not going to be press. I'm just going to go with my friends because that's a special day for me. And I bring friends, like different friends tag along every year. And uh, once you just watch them get hooked because the first thing they do is they go, holy crap they're speeding along there. And I'm like, yeah, that's the, that's the formation lap. Hey, that's the show name. Uh, that's the formation lap. And they're like, that's still pretty quick. I'm like, yeah, they're doing like 80 right there. Yeah. And then they go by for the first couple laps and they're like, damn, that's how fast are they going? And then my favorite is to kick in and I'm like, all right. So from where we can see to where we can't see is five eighths of a mile. So, uh, do the math there and then also do the math. We're like, we're seeing them every like 24 seconds and that's two and a half miles. And they're like, Oh my God, they're, they're going two and a half miles away and back in that time. Yeah. And it's like, it's like this continual punch of like visual and then your brain kind of processes it and you're like, Holy crap. <laughs> oh yeah. It's amazing. Yep. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, that will do for this week's episode of the pandemic cast. Uh, formation lap season two started last week for those of you who didn't know uh we we wanted to start season two uh right as the australian gp happened but i guess we're just going to call this the pandemic cast and the whole season two is going to be in quarantine but uh we'll see you guys next week tim will be back tim had a work conflict come up unfortunately and for those of you keeping track uh I'm, this is not a knock at tim tim is a very busy guy uh but uh for those of you keeping track I think that's like five guests in a row. He's been, he's had work call him the exact day. He is like almost he's he is about to snap on these guys. I feel very bad for him. But uh, Mike will be back, of course. We'll talk we'll talk to him plenty in the coming yo know, weeks months. Mike, you were supposed to fill in for uh for when I'm out in Austria for the Austrian GP, but uh, I'm starting to think that might not happen. <laughs> Who knows? We'll just it'll be it'll it'll be what it is, and we'll it, deal with. It. It'll be what it is. We'll deal with it. And uh, that's, the, that's the idea we all, need to, we all need to gather around is, hey, you know what? We're going to have some weird times coming up here, but, and they're already happening. But whatever it is, we'll deal with it. Yes. So I'm Luke Clevenger. I'm Mike Johnson. And we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>